uh, I'll definitely hit you guys up. Yeah, sounds great. All right, fellas, we'll enjoy the bonus episode, and I'll, uh, I'll talk to you guys later. See you, Bass. All right, bye. Get back to work. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, thanks for jumping on today. Yeah, no, it was awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's great. It's just, it's good. Like I I'm a co-host on the podcast to uh, LCL Collective, and so I've been doing this for a couple years now too. And I've been guests on other ones, so I like uh, it's just good conversations, good just networking, get to meet more people yeah. and in the hockey world, and um, kind of get your story a little more. Also, like you know, the more episodes, the better. Uh, you know, for yep. a personal brand, but also for your brand as well. And um, and yeah, also it's just kind of like a win-win for a lot of for both of us yeah it is and uh so what do you use for your podcasting then you usually use zoom yeah we do zoom and then we have zen zencast i think was the other one um that's how we okay. get our uh yeah so it's I, i'm not the one in charge of the whole tech thing i'm just the co-host so the, i just okay. hop on but it was like zen zencast and zoom yeah or something like that so yeah we we've been debating zoom as of late um and of course uh and we're recording now by the way this is the bonus episode for those of you that stuck around thank you um but yeah i mean the technical issues we've never had really an, a delay of more than a few minutes literally max maybe five um getting connected but yeah today uh you listeners are listening but yeah we had a good 25 almost 30 minute drop which is why sebastian had it apart so quickly um yeah, and I'm not a hundred percent sure why. Um, but like, it's definitely when... my, it's definitely my laptop for sure. I, it's it's old. I I don't know what it is with Skype. It's it's garbage with with my laptop. So. Yeah, it's. I have. We would have tried tried to transition to Zoom. Um, had I not just got a brand new laptop this week. And for those who listened to last week's bonus episode, no, it is not because I spilled wine. That's a separate issue completely. Uh, yeah, because I recorded the. We were on with Darren Zanuzzi. Um, of the Indigenous Hockey Research Network last week. And right as we started the bonus episode, I'm like, oh, we're done with the normal episode. I reached over for my wine, spilled it everywhere. Of course, it was on the floor here, and I had to run down and get it um, or get it cleaned up. But uh, I'm much smarter this uh, this week, by the way. I'm just drinking water out of a coffee cup. So even if I spill it, it's not that big, not that big of a deal. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was time for my computer uh it was it was done i mean i do love mac for the the fact that the computers last forever uh this is the first computer i've had to buy in 10 years so yeah it's they are good i've had this i've had it i've I've had this one probably for like seven years no it's definitely uh durable for sure yeah for when you spend that much money you're hoping to minimum a four like that's a bare minimum you want out of it is four but you're expecting to get at least truthfully for the what you pay for a mac at least seven years out of it and yeah because the mac the not the macs but the laptops i had before the mac um every couple years you're replacing it you're like yeah i'm only spending five or six hundred bucks but then you're like uh, you start doing the math and you're like yeah maybe i'll just pay for the mac it like here it cost me 1300 in denmark um or i forgot what what danish kroner would be but it makes it seem insane it's like oh it's only 82 you know 8200 danish kroner i'm like what is that? Yeah, just just doing all the conversions is uh, it. You get used to it over imagine. here, though. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can just imagine. No, that was, definitely a good experience, though. It's, it's it's cool to explore and move into new places. Uh, I, yeah. As much as I'm not in Quebec anywhere, it's, it's definitely uh, definitely an experience when you move away and come back. 
So. Yeah, it's uh, I've moved basically my entire adult life at this point. So I've what well, I don't know what this is at least country number four that I've lived wow. in. But uh, but we've been, you know, to 32 countries already. And, uh, you know, most recently, Portugal was the newest one I could check off on the on the list. And uh, that was awesome. But um, uh, I hate the PCR test, though. Um, oh, that's, yeah. That's yeah, I'm not. That's- yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not going anywhere where I have to do those anymore. Um I think right now we can head into Berlin and Amsterdam without testing or testing coming back and I mean we have our booster shots and we both had covid at least once. We think we had it again. We think we got the omicron variant back in before they called it that, I guess, cuz you know, I don't get sick that often and I almost never get a fever and the last time got, it, yeah. got sick, yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely it's definitely real for sure. It's just I don't yeah. even I can't even keep up with the travel restrictions anymore. Like it like it changes no. every week. I feel like and I don't. It's just, there's no consistency. Like it's like I don't, I have no idea. Like one place you have to quarantine for like 14 days, and next you have to do a test and you're completely fine. Like I, I have no like it's yeah. Oh, they change. It changes on the daily. Uh, people that. Yeah. You know, didn't know they had to get a test, and two days later they they're arriving in a new location. They're like, "Oh, everyone has to be tested upon arrival," and they're like, "Oh, come on!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, we're we're just in a world where it's sadly becoming a norm. Um, and yeah, what's happening there in Ontario? Like me, when me and her, uh, like we sold our house in Utah, and we traveled. We were basically dropping off our dog um, in Ottawa with her with her parents so we could move here uh, with the anticipation of having the dog come with us to Denmark. But we decided against that, that being a terrible decision for the dog. Um, but once we got into Sault Ste. Marie, we had a you know, they gave us the covid tests and everything. We had a quarantine for 14 days when we got to Ottawa. Uh, so we were in a trailer in the summer without air conditioning quarantining wow. behind her parents house <laughs> yeah. oh, sounds great that sounds like a perfect situation oh it was so hot it was... <laughs> nah, yeah. that would be brutal it's definitely a hot summer too there were some good days yeah it was definitely a hot summer and i, I don't know what people were saying because uh they the canadian government was definitely checking in on you like every day you had to call in and give your symptoms they would call us randomly and ask us where we were and then they would show up um wow. so yeah so you know i heard people saying ah you know they're not checking i'm like yeah they're probably checking and they're 100 oh, yeah. percent they were checking um i when the guy stopped by the trailer for us you know it was, he stopped by like 8 30 in the morning and uh i didn't hear him come but he knocked on the door of the trailer and my wife's like hey come on out i'm like i'm in the bathroom and she's like no, I think you should come out. I'm like, whatever it is, can't wait. And she's like, the Canadian government is here. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I probably should, probably should yeah. go out. <laughs> and he's standing there, and I'm like, hey, how, what's up? He's like, I just need to see your ID. It's like, okay. So I grabbed my passport. I showed it to him. He's like, all right, you're both here exactly where you should be. All right, I got 46 more of these to do today, so I can go home today. So bye. And then he just walked off. It's like, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. That, I guess you have to do it, right? Like no one, no one saw this coming. So, you know, the government had yeah. to adapt as quick as possible. And as much as like everyone's hating on the government, like it was a shock to system to them as well. And as much as these people are, uh, you know, leaders in our society, they, uh, they're humans too. Right. And, you know, they're yep. probably just as scared as, 
as us, at Iowa at the time, I mean, when it first happened. So, and, you know, they had to think quickly on their feet. So they did the best with the, with the best that they had. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, like I said, it's, it's kind of been an eye-opening experience, not only just uh, just as, as a whole, but, you know, individually, you know, like it, it kind of opened your eyes that you know, no job is really uh, secure in, in a sense. And, um, you know, you should pursue whatever you want to pursue in life because, um, you know, like, just like you know, everyone can lose their life savings overnight. Like that's what you know yep. happened to a lot of people. Like you, you put all this energy and all your money into you know stock, like into investing, and then you know it's going to crash eventually, right? So yeah, it's, it's it's just it makes you realize a lot of things about uh, about yourself and and uh, how you can help your community and um, you know how how tight knit we can be um, in times like this. I think is is also you know one positive you can pull out from all this crap situation um that we've been in is uh is just being able to all come together yeah and i think it's it's awakened a generation um to really pursue what they want to do with their lives um to not uh, you know it, it's easier said than done um you have to survive um but what does that mean now? And so I think it's just awakening a generation to maybe pursue something they'd be a little bit more passionate about. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think there's big changes, definitely some big changes coming around the world for that. But, um, I guess on a lighter note, um, uh, Mark, yeah, Andrew, what are but, yeah, we're getting yeah, really, it's COVID, COVID's, COVID's a, I know, it's a crap subject. It's touchy for some people too. And it's just, yeah, it's I, the amount of times that's a, it's one last thing before we even move on from that is like the one last thing about COVID is the amount of times you probably heard someone say the word COVID or had a conversation about it in oh, the last man. like two years. I like, you even gave you, if somebody even gave you a, a penny, I swear I'd be a millionaire. Like, I actually would probably have a million bucks, but you have as a penny. You know, a lot the, the amount of times I heard coronavirus, pandemic, COVID, last yep, few years, right? So it's uh, it's just it's always always somehow comes uh, comes up, and no matter what conversation you have now, it feels like so. Well, it's it's kind of what you said um, when you were talking about uh, you know your free time. Uh, that's exactly like me. Like my free time is hockey. Uh, if I'm not watching hockey or talking about hockey and you know trying to get involved in it in some way even just watching old youtube videos watching old draft class videos watching uh there's unlimited content out there um to get involved in, in the hockey world yeah it's 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 great i mean i make literal like fantasy teams for junior leagues i'm like okay if i was going to develop a fantasy team which, if anybody's listening to that, be prepared for that episode because there's going to be a USPHL Mountain Division fantasy team coming up. Um, you know, it's uh, it just it's kind of an escape from, from everything that's happening. And then, you know, hockey, I literally my Sundays are watching hockey from the moment I wake up until the moment I go to bed because I can finally get live hockey from like uh, the mountain standard time at like 930 at night here because it's 130 in the afternoon uh in yeah. the salt yeah it's great I, I it's literally what i live my life doing and thinking about and you know you mentioned mark andre Fleury there and i think if you're a goalie and you don't like mark andre Fleury, there is actually probably something wrong with you because he's the best goaltender of this generation and he's charismatic he's extremely likable um i mean he said yeah, yeah. Yep. Who else has had two cities make go away videos? <laughs> like, yeah, like, 
Yeah, no, uh, Luongo would be the only other one I could think of in recent history with uh, Florida and Vancouver, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's only only other one, but yeah, there's not not many like whether it be Fran like to be the face of the franchise and you know two locations like that, like where you're gener your generational player. But the thing I love about Fleury the most, I think, as a goaltender, is like again, like I said, like the way you're he's able to adapt. Like he. You know, he's won a cup as a backup. He's won the cup as a starter. Like he's won the guy. He's won the cup as the guy that's got them to the playoffs and you know got them yep. through the first couple of rounds and then became the backup again. Like and it's no matter what his situation is, he's uh, you know he's always like you said, he's always the same smile on his face. Always uh, you know has that charisma and and uh, he does whatever it takes to win. So when he goes in the net, it's all it's it's all focus and you know he still has fun with it even you know the most crucial moments of the game. You know he's he's rubbing his crossbar. It's like. Yeah, one one moment I remember the most was Game Seven, two thousand and nine, when um, they hit the crossbar. I think it was Cronwell who hit the crossbar with like two minutes ago, and he's he's just rubbing his crossbar. He's been doing that his whole career, but like, just, like <laughs> you're in you're in Game Seven on the road, Joe Louis Arena, probably probably the hardest arena to play in at the time, um, and you have uh, and you're you're basically rubbing the crossbar because you know people are watching as a joke, like thinking this post and stuff so it's just like that's just like one example right and he makes the save yeah like my favorite save of all time is that game seven that game seven save on Lidstrom you know when the puck hit his pad went back door and Lidstrom was creeping in and just basically had a full-blown one like teed up puck for him and he just dives across hits his chest and that was uh that's all it took for the Penguins to finally win the cup so um yeah it was definitely uh that's that's probably my my favorite most favorite save. Yeah, he's man to pick a favorite, pick a favorite flurry save. My favorite, I I don't know. I loved when he joined the Golden Knights because I was living in Utah at the time and everyone knew he was going there. And I just remember shaking my head and and me and the original co-host of this podcast, Steve, um, were talking about it. And it's like they're really just going to let Flurry walk. And he's like, yeah. well, what would you do? I said. I'm going with the guy who's proven and guaranteed. I said, if they if they take Murray, they take him. And I'm going with the guy who's led us to those Stanley Cups and such. Because both me and him already agreed that he shouldn't have been. It wasn't his reason or wasn't his play that got him pulled um, in that series. It was. It was just a just a defense was shit, just complete yeah. shit, and. And they pulled him, and he never saw another game. And I know that feeling, being pulled like I got pulled in a tournament tournament in England. And uh, I'd won, I let in a bad goal. I know I did um, to the worst team in the tournament. And you know we lost the game two to one. And I never saw ice time the rest of the tournament. And I was pissed about it because you know even though I was technically definitely not the starting goalie. Um, I was definitely out playing the starting goalie for this tournament and yeah. my, the numbers backed me up on that. Um, and even he said at the end of it, of course, no goalie's never going to give up the crease if they're giving it and they never should. Um, but at the end of it, he's like, you know, we, we got the third place and, uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, uh, you definitely had a better tournament than me, but you know, it man it comes down to what the, what the, coach and the team feel about you in that moment i'm like yep and then in that moment you've always been the starter and both me and you knew i was out playing you um but it doesn't matter if your coach has more confidence in the other guy it doesn't matter um and uh and 
it, you know, I wasn't, I was upset about it, but I also understood it. Um, I just hoped for that tournament. They would have traded me long story, but um, yeah. Yeah. And, I think they made a huge mistake. And of course they I've been proven me and him have been proven, you know, right hands down on that Pittsburgh. You can't give up because goaltending, man, you know, it yeah. it's one where your wonders exist. Look at Tebow, look at Carrie. Um, you know, they, they have a one or two good seasons and they're like, well, they're the up and coming goalie. No, no, go with the proven guy. It's very rare that a proven goalie just completely falls off. Um, yeah, no, it's well, it, it takes yeah. gen, it's generational guys. I think Longquist yes. is the consistency, and once you hit five years and you've been you know pretty consistent, usually you know, you'll continue that. Like a guy I'm thinking about who I think will be you know someone who's going to be at the top of the league for a while is like Jacob Markstrom. Um, like you know, like a guy like he's he's coming up to like in the five year mark now where he's been like the guy and within organization, and he's still putting up amazing numbers. So, um, you know, he's like someone that comes up to mind where like he's starting to prove himself as like, you know, get into that good, you know, proven status. I wouldn't say elite just yet. Like I, for me, it takes a lot to be kind of classified as elite, but yeah. uh, he's definitely uh, in a tier below that. So, so uh, would you have, would you have let Markstrom walk for Demko? I, I personally wouldn't have. I, I would have hundred percent. This is okay. because I you have Demko is ready and he's proven that. Um, so he needs to get the games. He's a guy that you drafted internally. Um, and developed internally, and you know, he like I said, he was ready for the next step. And um, I think what they did there, like I, I, I like, I know that their plan was to do this for many, many years, and it's it's definitely coming to full fruition for them. But um, like to, to bring in a veteran guy like Halak, um, you know, to be like near the end of their career is the case, yeah. except in the back of role wants a mentor. Like that's exactly what was what Demko needed, and that's exactly what their plan was. Um, and yeah, it's, I think it's worked out like Vancouver's Vancouver's not really had a goaltending issue since, you know, the pre Luongo era, like they did yeah. a little bit after Luongo, but like Marstrom, Marstrom kind of settled the boat there after the fast. So, um, you know, they've been, they've been great with, you know, with goalie. So, um, yeah, I, but with the whole flair situation, I, I think Pittsburgh made a mistake and they know that like, he should yeah. definitely, uh, he should have definitely been uh, kept by Pittsburgh in my opinion, this, um, you know, um, Pittsburgh loved him, and um, he's been there for so long. He's the face of the franchise. You know, you won so many cups with him on your roster, if he was yep. in the net or not. But uh, I understand, though, at the time, why they were with Murray. Like, it was because you know he was young. There was no other. Like we didn't, we didn't see the future. We didn't see all these injuries and you know poor no. play. So well, at the time, like it made sense to keep Murray, right? So, eh, I, like I understood, I understand why they did it. And yeah. me and him, I mean, this is well before we had a podcast and me and him would sit there. It wasn't really necessarily a debate, um, but he would be like, well, I think they're he's like, I can see your point. He's like, I he's like, I'm not a GM. I, I, I don't remember his argument, but I think we both decided even at that point, we would have kept flurry and done something with the but, but we also both understood the position they were in. Do you want to give up? your potential future goalie that could be your the face of the franchise for the next 12 to 13 years uh, for a guy who was probably going to be done in four or five years. And, you know, they, they made their call and it, it backfired. Uh, I still wouldn't have made that call. I would have let Murray walk. I just think goaltending is the best position in sports, but it's also, it, you can read, 
you got to read the room. <laughs> and I think with, with like you, what you said is if a goalie has been in the league for five, six, seven years and they're a proven goalie um, and they might have a bad year, maybe two bad years. Uh, most of the time in the bulk of scenarios, they'll come back. I know there's guys like Corey Schneider where he's really never come back. Um, and you know, that happens and, and a guy like Di Pietro who, you know, was supposed to be all that. And I still love the goalie, but like injuries start, they get you in the, any, any sport. When injuries start to bite you, it's over. Um, yeah, it's sure. really hard and to I, recover. And that's a thing too, is like going back to the whole like Murray thing. Like I think they're like Flurry and Murray are both drafted internally, right? They were both developed yep. internally. Like, and I think their logic was, you know, the Flurry era was over. He had that Cinderella story. He won three cops, like, you know, brought the team from basically zero to you know, the top of the yeah. world. And, yeah, and, and yeah, exactly. And he, and he mentored Murray. So like for them, they thought it was a like full circle. Like, you know, it's just based on like money and you know, the time frame with the expansion drop and everything. Like, you know, Flurry gave all his knowledge to the next, the next star that they thought would be um, in Pittsburgh. And, and uh, it was time for, you know, Flurry to move on. Cause you know, Murray still wasn't at the same salary as Flurry. No. Flurry was like, so even if like, even if Flurry like stayed, he like they like they still would have been paying more of a Flurry than keeping Murray, right? Like so for yeah. them, like it was also cost conscious too. And there's a lot of factors. Like I think at the time, I think Pittsburgh made the right decision letting Flurry go. As much as that hurts to say, like I think I wish he would have stayed as a Penguin, but um, like if you look at all the analytics and everything that was going on at the time. It just seemed like a, a a safer bet to keep Murray, but obviously that didn't that didn't pan out, right? So it's that's that's right. why like I'm don't get me wrong, I'm not. I think analytics is a great tool, but I hate that the game has become so analytical. Yeah, like I hate it's it. just like the <laughs> game. The game. The game is the game is so un, like there's no there's not if the game was so predictable that it was literally came up to math, then then what the fuck's the point? Like what's the point of playing? Like it's it's so unstructured. Like things happen. People make mistakes. Hockey's a game of mistakes. It's it's you can't predict everything. And I just hate how there's like so many like like you like you just look online. These guys are like like I I can't even understand how this crap that these guys are saying. It's like it's they're trying to sound like all like smart and intelligent towards yep. you know this. If it's like don't and I'm not I'm not bashing analytics. I think analytics is you know a definitely a tool that can be utilized. And it's yeah. definitely something that's it's positive, but I think there's just there's just so much crap out there that like it's just so unnecessary. I think it's just like it's kind of I can get into the whole thing with even coaching. Like you know, some <laughs> guys some guys want to you know they just love gimmicks because it looks good on Instagram, right? Like they run their own their own hockey school, and you know they're having kids throw their stick up in the air and I don't know twinkle on their toes and jump up and down, and like it looks good on Instagram with you know a uh, you know a Jack Harlow playback in the background. And you know it looks so good for these parents, but like, is that really game? Is that really helping them develop skills? Like jumping over things? Like, no. Like, you have to you have to make like the, the drills have to be like their skill development. Like players are a little different than goalies. Like I'm I'm talking more on a goalie basis. Like seeing, you know, I don't, like there's some weird drills out there. Like I can get into. I mean, like goalies with their sticks and they're they have a hand behind their back and. They're spinning around while like like, like it's just like why like you, like uh, yeah like, it's all that crap. It's just I'm not a big gimmick guy. My big thing is you know game like situational drills. 
and then you know bearing down on you know the habits that are inefficient in the game and then and then making it efficient but i think i think once you get to a certain level of coaching this is all like this is all situational basic if you're coaching someone who's seven years old then you're not really going over such game like situational drills you're you're developing you're developing of the baseline skills right but yeah if you're talking about my university goalie like they all can t-push they can all you know integrate to rbh if they can do all that like all the post play stuff and everything so i don't have to go and spend a, a crazy amount of time besides maybe redefining like small things like small attention to detail things but um but really for them it's, it's the way they see the game it's the game and situational drills so like i'm not having them jump over sticks and spin around like a like a buffoon, like it's, it's, it, it, you know, there's, there's a, there's a tactical component to it that I think is very important. So. No, I, I agree with you there. And I think analytics is over, overutilized now. Like you said, it's a tool. It's definitely a tool, but if you put all your eggs in one basket, uh, look at somebody's NFL teams. Uh, I can't remember who was it. There was like, they were so analytical based and they just, they sucked this year. Um, you just can't and, predict it. You can't predict no. it all. You just, like it's yeah. like you just said, you just said about like if we did analytically, you know, Corey Schneider would have been the next Patrick Waugh or Justin yeah. Pogge would have been, you know, the next, the, you know, the next Martin Broder, like, like just because of their numbers and junior, like, but they didn't even make it to the National Hockey League or they didn't have like long careers. Like it, like it's just analytics just can't like predict everything. No, it's like analytic analytics can't predict their mental capacity. They get like the, the way they see nope. the game, you know, the way they can, uh, how resilient they are, you know, because those those are just as important as their physical components, like they're, they're what they can do on the ice. Like, so I, I don't know, like I like I said, it's a tool, but I hate how like you know some people just live by analytics. Like if it's not in the, if it's not in the book, then I'm not going by it. So yeah. Yeah, analytics wouldn't have picked um analytics wouldn't have picked Lundqvist. Analytics wouldn't have picked Martin St. Louis. Um, exactly. The, the, you exactly. know it. Pecker it's Rene. a tool. Yeah. yeah. You would have never picked Pekka Rene. You would have never picked you know, yep. a lot of guys that went, you know, undrafted or drafted late. Um, and just, yeah. So I think that's one thing, a piece of advice is, you know, definitely use as a tool, but don't, don't get so caught up on it. Like there's also like some websites and stuff too. Like, like I look through with, you know, financial draft prospects and just like the, some of the stats that they're like, like analytics that they're looking at just doesn't like, just so irrelevant. It's just not, it's just a waste of, energy and time for some of it yeah so. and, and that's uh, if you uh, on the podcast i mentioned that joe exter episode with nutrizone a uh, really good episode um i, I just because i edit their podcasts for nutrizone and just it's so informative to see it from a goalie's perspective and how how he does things and yeah, I think one of the big things a lot of these guys they talk to all have in common is uh, really when it comes down to the number one thing that they're looking for in a lot of these players is passion, like the fight, the passion, the drive. And analytics can't predict the players' drive and their passion and their willingness to overcome obstacles. If if, if maybe they're a slightly poor skater, um, but they got the amazing hockey IQ. And because I've seen some guys that are just amazingly talented and you just see the way they deal with the puck on the ice. It's like, what, what the hell were you doing there? Did you not see, like you had two open teammates, three guys on you and you still took the shot. 
Yeah, the goalie totally. had its angle, you know, and I, I watched some of these games and I'm like, <laughs> uh, you're, you get frustrated because the hot guy cue's not there. It's like, where, where are you? When you have the puck, you don't see anybody else. And that's it. You know, I, I, I hated those guys on the, you know, um, as well as not so much on the ice, but, uh, cause those guys were predictable. I loved them as a goalie. Um, but as a corner in football, and I was terrified of certain certain players on my own team. You know, when that ball hit the air, it's like this guy's gonna kill me one day because they don't see anything else on the field. They only see the ball, and it's like, oh, and it happened. I mean, my first knee injury was in playing football because my own linebacker was just an idiot, and I knew I warned the coach multiple times this guy's gonna hurt somebody, and he hurt me, unfortunately. <laughs> well, yeah, that's yeah, it's. Yeah, definitely tough for sure. It's like, I don't know, This the biggest thing is, like I said, like some of these players have so much skill. Yeah. But they don't have the hockey IQ. And like, I like to call them like outdoor, outdoor rink hockey players. You know, like they, their heads always down. They might have like, you, know, you see a lot of these Instagram guys, like they're making money off, uh, you know, their skills. Like they're like flipping pucks up in the air and twirling yeah. their sticks and smacking them. And like, it, like, don't get me wrong, like phenomenal skill, like individual skill. But then, the reason why none of them even play like triple A hockey is because they have no idea how to take or give a hit, or they have no idea about you know special teams and like actual systems and like figuring out the patterns of the game and you know anticipating plays and ice awareness. Like they don't have the vision for the game, but they can they can put their head down, look straight at their feet, and they can stick handle like a chop like they're chopping onions. Like it's incredible like how fast their hands yeah. move. But but then you put them in a game like situation, and it's like they might not even be able to play like single A. Yep. and that's and that's why I find it's like so ironic. You, you, you just look at a lot of there's a lot of guys that have Instagram, like they're they're making money on TikTok and YouTube and stuff. And like don't like I said, like don't get me wrong, like these guys have phenomenal skill, but they can never play like you know, pro hockey or anything, even though they have like the pro skill because they just don't have the same, you know, maybe maybe, maybe it's even the physical attributes thing too, right? They don't have the same speed. Um, you know, the you know, like they're not you know the right physical size to be able to compete against those guys day in, day out. There's a lot of factors yeah. too, but it's really just yeah. the hockey IQ. So and it's a big thing that I think most of those uh most of those scouts and coaches and GMs are looking for when they're picking a player. I mean, they're always talking about character, that's a big thing. Um, but you know, when it comes to attributes they're looking for, that's almost you, you can't you can't coach fight. You can't coach uh, that will and and to overcome situations and have that short for goalies have that short memory on the ice, uh, but also have the hockey IQ. I mean, you have to have the hockey IQ as a goalie. I don't think it's the most important thing for a goalie. I think it's the most important thing for players to play out. Um, <laughs> but I think as a goalie, um, obviously, if you don't have the the you know if you, if you can't physically handle the goaltender position it doesn't matter how smart you are in the game. It, it you're, you're going to be defeated. Uh, but the hockey IQ is, it's near the top for me. It just isn't the most important thing because you got to be like one of these, uh, goalies I, I communicate with, um, was watching one of his games recently and, you know, just tracking different things he was doing during the game. And I saw an opportunity totally for him to cheat because he had the, the skater coming in, on the on the right hand side and totally exposed player off to the center uh right there in the slot and the defender just wasn't going to be able to catch up to him in time i'm like 
this is an opportunity right now where you know he's going to pass, but he hasn't passed it yet. So what are you going to do? Because you can tell when a goalie's about to cheat, and that's when the shot comes. If if you're yeah. if you're a forward and you're coming in that zone, you're waiting for the goalie to get to that moment where they they know they're going to be beat by the guy in the slot. If they don't, you know, if if the pass comes at that point, and I'm like, this is a perfect moment to cheat. And he almost kind of baits the guy, and the guy just shoots it. And he, you know, never did you see the left leg pad ready to go over there to try to stop the pass. It was always focused on the puck, but you could tell the body language of the goalie was, "I'm ready." But at this point, if he's going to pass it, I'm probably defeated on that portion. But you, you get beat on that shot nine times out of ten if you're already thinking about the pass. Yeah, no, you definitely want anticipation, but you gotta you gotta respect the shooter and and. Yep. Uh, and you got to make sure that you're you're so square to the puck because players are too skilled nowadays. Like that's uh, like these these players are smart just as much as goalies. You know, are working on their craft. You know, players are doing the same thing now. There's you know so many skill development coaches. And, you yep. know, just so many, so much access to uh, to these resources out there. So um, no, they're 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 definitely skilled enough to you know you can't you can't cheat any situation. And um, well, you know a big. Uh, a big thing I say to my goalies all the time is think like a player, play like a goalie. So I, like I personally think, you know, ice awareness and hockey IQ is, is massive because, you know, you might not be the greatest technically and you might not be the greatest skater, but if you can anticipate, you know, a situation unfolding or you can anticipate again, you know, a pass point to a certain place, you have more of a chance of making that save, even if you don't have the ability. You might not get there efficiently. Like you might end up having to dive and, you know, do things that might not, like I say, like, like I said, be the most efficient. Um, for right. many reasons, but uh, you know, to have that anticipation, to have the hockey IQ, I think is you know very, very important. But my, like I said, like top thing on my list is tracking, like your visual attachment, like yes. your tracking mechanics. Like if you like, you can, like I said, you can move like the wind. You know, you can try to impress. You know, a goalie skill. You know, you you move in and out of your post so well. You're quick, boom, 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 boom. But you can't stop a straight line shot with no screen and pucks are just fine holes through you. And that's a tracking issue, and that can that can stem from so many things. That can stem from your stance mechanics. Usually, it's from your stance mechanics, um, and then you, you know, your follow through when you know, the shots released. There's a lot of mechanical things there, but um, but yeah, no tracking for sure. I think is number one. But for me, number two is is the hockey awareness, is the IQ, because um, like I said, like you can you can be so well technically, but if you can't anticipate a play unfolding, or and, th- and this is why watching hockey is so important. You at least play. It's hockey's a game of patterns. It really is. Like you yep. know, if a player's in a certain spot with this with the puck and with a certain hand, and you know, there's a threat on the weak side again. If you anticipate with you know scanning the ice, scanning the weak side, you know you can anticipate the puck's probably going to be going. And again, you don't yep. want to cheat the pass, but the having that anticipation will give you an extra oomph, you know, to get there on time and make that timely save. So, um, yeah, no, I think it's I think it's very important. Yeah, and and for me, like I said, I was I think in terms of hockey, my hockey IQ was high. My ability, uh, injury after injury, really started to take the hit. So I knew what I wanted to do, but you know that was the that was the thing is I didn't have the, I guess the the long term physical abilities and, and being in net um, to be able to do what I knew I wanted to do. And I could read the play. I could read all the potential threats. In fact, one of the worst threats on the entire ice, if you know your own uh, defense and sometimes your forwards, is your own teammates. It's like, oh, who's on the ice right now? You know, 
I won't shout out any names on here, but like if I could see like number 38 with one team and I'm like, oh, God, this is the player that no matter how many times you tell him, don't put your stick in front of the shot, he's going to put his stupid stick in front of the stupid shot. You know, he doesn't put his body in there. He puts a stick in there. It's like, dude, you may as well just put on the other team's jersey. Yeah, um, or just or just guys are just like they're trying to get a piece of their body. Like instead of like fully committing to a shot, like a blocking a shot, you know, they'll stick a leg out and it ends up hitting their, their yeah. blade or their shit pad. And it's like perfect redirection. Like, yeah, no, there's or some D guys you know and I remember playing too. Like, yeah, there's just you know some guys that pick up the puck behind the net and you're like they're gonna try to do you know the Bobby or go ahead and and they get stripped at usually the blue line or in the neutral zone or they make it this a stupid pass and, and then they end up icing the yeah. puck. Just, you just know, yeah, you just know like, uh, yeah, when that happens, usually your fifth or sixth D guys. So, um, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but that's, uh, it depends on how good of a team you're on. I, I was lucky enough to be on some really strong teams growing up. So I never really had uh, too many of those guys, thankfully, but uh, I've definitely coached uh, on teams where defense has been a struggle. So I, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I but, can understand that. Yeah, so books-wise, uh, I know if you got to go, by all means, I, I can smell my wife uh, cooking dinner downstairs, and it smells amazing. Uh, but you were, <laughs> you were mentioning um, you were mentioning books. Um, like one of the books that uh, – I've got a couple books I need to read, but now I didn't expect to have all my stuff locked down in, in the United States. But I've got uh, like Clint Malarchuk's book. I've got um, Dryden's book. Um, they're all in my stack of books to read, but then everyone's been telling me here about like, and I know it's been out forever. It's what launched on launched on Anthony Bourdain, but like a kitchen confidential. I've had three people tell me in the last month, once you pick the book up, you just can't put it down. Have you heard of that book by uh, Anthony Bourdain? No, I actually haven't. I was to know. I'm I, like, I, I'm always, I'm always open ears when it comes to uh, new book recommendations for sure. So uh, yeah, definitely send them your way when, when the time comes. Or whenever you yeah, have yeah. a new, uh, new recommendation. Yeah, because so. I'm trying to figure out what the, the problem here is finding books in English. Um, I'm in Denmark, so you know yeah. I have to deal with that. But uh, and importing stuff here is just not a possibility unless you want to pay just unbelievable import fees. It, they're unreal, truthfully. Um, so I'm like, if I can't find the book in English in, in a Danish bookstore, I just right now I don't get it. Um, so that's one of the books that I'm hopefully hopefully I can get here soon. But yeah, e- same e-books, thing. Push- e-books work too. What's that? E-books can work too. You just uh, get yeah. Online. I I like a like the physical book. I like having Me the page too, yeah. the pages and and spending when you spend bulkier day online or working on computers. The last thing I want to do is hold an iPad. <laughs> yeah, no, that's and, very true. Very true. Yeah, and. uh Plus, you know, eventually when when the world caves in upon itself and all the electronic means are down, you still have books. (laughs) Worst case scenario, still have the books lying about. Uh, Hopefully that doesn't come to fruition any time in our lifetimes. But uh, yeah, I hope not. I hope not. Yeah. Backup (laughs) scenario to have that uh, physical book is, I don't know, just something different to be off of the entire world electronically and be in front of a fire with a book and better for the eyes too. Yes, yeah, way better. better. Yeah, so. but I agree. But yeah, man, it's when when you reached out, it was awesome because it's like, oh, good, another goalie. Um, because it's it's awesome having goalies on here and the perspectives, and uh, you know, we, we are, uh, I guess, a special breed. Um, no matter what, you know, yeah. <laughs> you can always see the goalie in a group. 
and I'm sure that uh, shoot, it was even back in I don't know this point ten years ago. I was on an elevator in, in Washington D.C. One of those huge elevators that where the Washington Capitals headquarters is because they had a tournament going on, and uh, we got me and my buddy got on the elevator, and then a whole team got on the elevator. Um, or at least not a whole team. I'd say half the team got on the elevator. Um, so like 11, 11 players. And this one girl starts just dancing and acting a fool. Cause it's like eight floors up. And my brain went instantly. That's the goalie. And of course the two girls next to us, one girl leans into the other one quietly and goes, goalies are so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's usually the common uh, formality with it. That's for sure. Yeah, and so yeah, we're uh, you can always spot the goalie on a team. Um, you, you got to be. I find goalies are becoming less and less weird nowadays too. I just find like, uh, um, you know, you like just with like even as coaching, you know, goalies, like you know, you still have to have your oddballs. You know, you can tell who you know who really kind of resembles like the stereotypical yeah. goalie. But I just find like a lot of goalies, um, you know, the the younger ones especially that are kind of. You know, blooming. They're they're not as not as weird, I guess, as uh, as a, to lightly put it, they're not as weird as the not as, as other, Yeah, as yeah. Uh, as going in the past. You know, I played with or you know maybe coached even like six seven years ago. Um, just like recently, I feel like the last the last half a decade, a uh, lot less weird goalies. That's too bad. It's always nice identifying the person on the team that. Uh, that wears all the extra padding because it looks like it. You know? Yeah, I think it's just I just think it's, I, all the extra. Yeah, I guess all the protection now. It's you know as you know as strange going into the net because uh, you're pretty well protected uh, compared to you know maybe 30 years ago when you know equipment was a lot less. So but for me personally, I think a weirdo is is you know a field across schoolie, um, and because those guys were like no equipment and you're getting shots from you know you know rubber ball. Yeah, it's pretty hard. Um, and it's coming at you at a, a pretty, pretty alarming speeds. And like, so like, I, that's why that's one of the sports I played in, in university as a varsity athlete. And, um, and yeah, like my roommate was a goalie and, you know, after games, even after practices, like his leg was like a different color, like purple. Like I, we could have called it Barney. Like he was like just the amount of trauma that you just take day in and day out. And it was just like another day in, in the office for him. So, uh, you know, for me, I feel like he's, uh, a little bit of a strange not to be doing that for five years. So, yeah, that's that's a youthful body right there. I mean, oh. yeah, the the goalie yeah. gear definitely wasn't as good as when I was growing up. Um, in fact, like I said, I I was uh, wasn't exactly in a wealthy family, so I couldn't really play ice hockey as a kid. So the second I hit eighteen and I was able to get my own gear um, and actually hit the ice, the gear still wasn't that great. Um, Again, if you don't come home from a practice with a couple new bruises, um, you you weren't seeing many pucks, you know, because yeah, it finds sure. its way through everything. No matter how good the padding is now, it still finds its way through. Guys can guys can shoot the puck too. Like it's I yeah. don't think I don't I don't think it matters honestly. Like unless you're wearing some really beefy equipment, like if you're talking about like NHL regulation gear. You know, some of these guys is still put a dent into uh into your yeah. body for sure even with like it's it hits in a good spot you can still feel it depending on the uh, on who's shooting that puck so yep. um yeah i i remember back in the days is when i was in my draft year and one of my assistant coaches was paul ranger so he played for the toronto maple leafs uh for a bit 
um, in Tampa Bay defenseman and he uh we were just doing drills at the end of uh one of our summer training sessions before the season and he was just taking like like this slap shots on the blue line and like i just i just got like the newest top of the line like reebok pro stock pants like no way you should feel anything and it was just hitting me right in the pants and just like or like just a, like below my yeah. chest and like i had some severe bruises like it was like and i just i remember thinking like as an, as an nhl player though but like Imagine doing that day in day out as an actual goalie, and you have the top of the line stuff. Like, yeah, you're definitely you're definitely banged up for uh, for majority of the season. So, um, yeah, you know, that's what makes goalies unique, right? You're you're kind of on your own island, and you get beat up, and you're you take the pressure mentally and physically. So, yeah, there's there's really no place though better than uh when you when you get out onto the ice and you just start you know scraping up your crease. Just staring down at the blue paint each time. I'm just like, yeah, this is home. No matter where you are in the world, that's home. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's yeah. generic, right? It's uh, yeah. I can agree more. It's it's a great feeling. Blue is a good color. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, unless it's on your yeah. skin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then that's a little different for sure. But yeah, sure. but yeah, man, I do appreciate you jumping on today. It was a cool call, and that's, so this episode. Um, uh, that we just recorded will be live. What is today? The 17th of January. Uh, this one will be live on Thursday, the 20th. Um, and so will this, this bonus episode that everyone's listening to, this will be uh live th- right thereafter. Um, so, uh, that's what, yeah, that's when it'll drop. So, but yeah, man, I appreciate you, uh, you coming on. Perfect. Yeah, no, I appreciate you. And I look forward to, uh, to listening on Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, yeah, we'll reach out later in the future. If you ever want to jump back on again, um, you know, when we've, uh, we love having the guests back on and, uh, when we bring you back on, it won't be, we're having guests return. And so just, you know, talk hockey topics. Like, you know, we've, your initial time on is kind of like the interview. And then after that, it's kind of like, what do you want to jump on and talk about? You want to talk about the 93 draft class? Do you want to talk about, you know, how your Ottawa Senators are doing. Do you want to talk about, you know, the uh, yeah, potential yeah. move? And, yeah. So that's kind yeah. of what we're we're doing. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. Cool, man. All right. Well, yeah, thanks for going. Uh, thanks for jumping on. And hopefully uh, you guys get out of <laughs> lockdown there so the, the Lakers can hit the ice again and continue the season. How do you guys uh, – how do you watch uh, your games too? Because I looked all over online. I mean, I think I can get some, like, replays on you sports, but – um is there a way to watch you guys live if you do yeah return? so you you can look at old games even from this past year on the uh, oua tv so oua yeah, TV, yeah. Um, and okay. you just sign you just sign up it's free and then uh um yeah and you can watch any game live or replay any games in the past so you can see okay, the seven so, games i think we played so far this year okay sick yeah because uh I was looking and I'm like, okay, I think I could sign. But then when you see that, you're like, oh, can I sign up or is this going to charge me something? Because there's a lot oh. of streaming services out there, um, like Black yeah. Dog. I don't want to pay for Black Dog or Flow because I've already have hockey TV and it gets me the mat, you know, the massive bulk of of games I want to see. But uh, if I had an unlimited source for hockey things, but if it's free, yeah, I'll sign up and and rewatch some of the games this season for sure. Yeah, I know definitely. Yeah, we uh, we're definitely in the in the hunt to to win it all. It's just a matter of us playing again to uh, do that. So yeah, hopefully yeah. again. Yeah, no, I think we will. I think I think uh, by February we'll be back and playing and um and going after it again. So sick. Praying, anyways. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks again for jumping on, Frank. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll catch up.
Sounds good. Yeah. Thanks again. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Later.